Welcome to our latest episode in a new season of what we're calling Open Door Policy Minisodes. Each minisode will have a specific theme and we'll be revisiting some of the inspiring conversations we've had with guests from our previous seasons. Today we're talking about grief and hope. Losing a loved one can be confusing, overwhelming, and very painful. Every Sunday at Mass, we profess in the Creed, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. These words are especially potent for those of us who have lost a loved one. Maybe these words of the Creed comfort your heart, or maybe they bring you hope. Ultimately, Jesus and His promises are the bedrock of hope in times of grief. We believe in the resurrection of the dead. These words are powerful. Jesus' mission to conquer death was completed on the cross. Jesus is victorious over death. Though death is the end of our earthly life, it is not the end of the story. In the funeral mass, our faith tells us, In death, life is changed, not ended. God is with us in our grief, but also God is with our loved ones. Let's dive into the stories of our guests who have also lost loved ones and how their faith and their faith community has bolstered them during their time of grief. Alex Lynch, mother of two, lost her husband, Brian, to cancer. She shares about how her life at her parish, including her mom's group, the Knights of Columbus, and her pastor, have supported her. Something I haven't shared yet, but um, bringing up my husband, um, that's another you know, big um, conversation is that he mm. passed away from cancer a couple of years oh, ago. Sorry. So, um, yeah, and I think talking about being um, mother and the inspiration there, I mean, um, you know, we, we had our daughter and then we um, actually had a miscarriage and then mm. through his chemo and everything he was going through, there was a, um, a few years that we couldn't get pregnant again. And so that's kind of where, when we felt like God was calling us to be foster parents instead. And um, we had done that. It was a great experience. Um, I thought, you know, overall I would, you know, maybe one day do it again. But uh, uh, when Brian got a lot more sick, um, we had to pause our license. And actually um, then we got pregnant with our son now. Um, His name's Casey after uh, Blessed Swanis Casey. Oh, beautiful. And, we and then he was about two months old when Brian passed. Oh, I'm so sorry, and but thank you for sharing that you know kind mm. of personal um, story with our listeners. I'm just really moved to mm. hear how even in that the suffering of um, you know kind of struggling to to have your own kids when he was sick and going through treatment that even in that suffering you opened your hearts to serve others, to serve children who really needed it. I am just so blown away by that. And again, like pointing back to what father Patrick was saying that, that, that motherly love shining through in the world, even amidst that suffering. I mean, that sounds so much like our blessed mother, right? I mean, that, that her beautiful example of even in the suffering, pouring out that motherly love into the world for her son. And then for others as well, for, you know, for the disciples after he passed. So I'm just Mm. so blown away by that. Mm. Alex, would you be comfortable speaking a little bit to uh, how the Lord has has helped you through such a difficult uh, transition in your life of your husband? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I mean, I mentioned it at the beginning, but um, about my childhood and then, um, you know, as an adult, kind of that um, time when we grew closer to God. And I think that was 
my husband, he grew up Catholic as well, but he, um, you know, was a lot, it wasn't as much of a practicing Catholic, um, when we got, when we were dating and I got married, um, you know, he would come to mass, but more just for my sake, you know? And, um, but then I think when he got sick and we, Mm. um, got pregnant with our daughter, Mm. um, he he had that transformation and he was going to weekday mass. He was, he became a catechism teacher. He became part of the Knights of Columbus. Um, you know, he would take our daughter to mass all the time. And, um, um, and I mean, this was for years, you know, it wasn't just, you know, right before, right when you got yeah. sick and kind of, but he was, even when he would get better, you know, cause there was a few times where he would be cancer free and, you know, he just continued that faith. And, um, and so that kind of pushed me and drew me even more, even closer and, um, you know, it inspired me a lot. And so, um, we, you know, continued that. And then obviously when he passed, um, I think the church community, the, um, and the school that my daughter was going to preschool at St. Paul's at the time, they were such a huge support. Mm. Um, they were the, you know, I would say the people we leaned, I mean, other than obviously my family and my friends, but, um, in terms of like the community around us, they were amazing. And, really got us through that time. And I think that's also why, you know, at the time I was involved with parish moms, but I definitely felt like at that time, you know, that was my time to step up and, you know, lead the group. So that's kind of the um, timeline, you know, of how things happened. And I knew that 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 was what I was being called to do at the time. Um, So it's been a uh, joyful thing to be doing as wow. well. You know, a couple of years later, he, like I said, he passed two years ago. So, mm. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much, Alex. Yeah. It seems like a really strong theme there um, is the community kind of being there to support that you guys felt this call to reach out to the community, like you said, through Brian's work with Knights of Columbus um, and your work with the moms group. And then, you know, the community is there to support you back. What would be a tip that you would offer to someone or multiple, you know, whatever you feel called to share for how could we, you know, support those of us who are listening, support moms and our communities who might be, you know, suffering or struggling. I feel like Moms are often such silent sufferers because they're so brave and strong, at least all, almost all the moms I know in my life. So, um, but we also know that we're called to support them. So yeah. What would, just from your experience, would you say we could learn from, uh, and how to better support the moms we see who maybe are there, but not reaching out themselves? Yeah. I mean, I would say I try, um, in any, any event or any, um, place I'm at to see how everyone's doing. And then if we, if they do share a little bit, I mean, we, as a group, um, I mean, it's even simple things like, you know, um, sending them the meal or helping them, you know, with the kids at pickup or different things. I mean, it's like very simple, you know, things it sounds like, but I know, you know, like I said, when I was being supported, it really was, um, those little things, them sending cards, um, them, um, the meals being dropped off, the um, any help with the kids, and um, just being, pray, you know, letting them know that you're praying for them. Um, you know, they a couple times people were saying, you know, they were saying the rosary for us, and they were, you know, um, my one of the priests, um, he left St. Paul's about a year ago, but he'll uh, message me every few months and just say, you know, today I offered 
you guys up in prayer to, you know, your family and um, you were my, you know, um, who I shared at mass today. Um, and that means the world to me, you know, that he's still thinking about us and praying for us at the mass. Um, and so it's little things like that for sure. Alex's church family became a source of hope for her and her support system during her time of grief. Meals, prayers, practical support, and spiritual reinforcements helped her work through that difficult chapter of her life. Alex's story shows us how our faith informs how we love one another during difficult times. Charity is so important, especially when those around us are grieving. Our guest, Sheila Breen, lost her husband, Deacon Kevin, to a rare degenerative disease. And as she and her husband faced this diagnosis, their faith was a place to find consolation, purpose, and unity. And I wanted to ask you, you're such a beautiful witness of, of the Lord's love and hope and his resurrection power. It's, it's less than a year since he's been called home to the Lord. Um, how has your process of uh, a healthy, holy grieving, um, how has that been for you? Um, it has been a time of tremendous grace. Mm-hmm. Um, from the time that we got Kevin's diagnosis, which was June of 2020, and his diagno- he was diagnosed with a very rare um, neurodegenerative disease. It's called multiple system atrophy. And it's similar in some ways to Parkinson's and similar in other ways to ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, um, but it's very rare. And um, so he was diagnosed in June and he died the following January, January 22nd. And um, I think it was um, when we got that diagnosis in June, we we sat in the doctor's in the parking lot at the doctor's office. We simply prayed a prayer of surrender, and we said, wow. "Lord, we have no control over this. Mm-hmm. We don't know how long this journey is going to to be. Um, we know the outcome. You know, he it, there's no cure for it. There's no treatment. Nothing like that." And we said, we just surrender. We truly surrendered. Um, and, and by the time we, then immediately we felt such peace. And honestly, I describe it um, as a tsunami of graces that just poured over us, poured over us, and, and really continues to do even now. And um, so it's been a time of great challenge for sure. Um, for me, for our kids, for all those who love him, but it's been a time of tremendous grace. It really has. I think that's, um, so it began with that surrender and, um, and it has just continued. It's really beautiful to hear Mm -hmm. you share about that tsunami of grace right after you were just sharing how, you know, you were guided through that time that the, the grace would follow when you felt Mm -hmm. like for Deacon brain, he was growing in his faith. You were seeing some advancements in his journey and feeling like, Oh, that time hadn't come for you yet. Do you feel Mm -hmm. like that waiting that in that time of greatest need that you then felt all that progress that you had made over the years in your marriage and and being the wife of a deacon that then it came together in that moment when you needed it most? I absolutely do. Um, Emily, I just, um, there's something about carrying a cross that makes you talk about simplifying your life. It really mm. makes all the other things fall to the wayside. The things that we worry about or 
you know, um, you know, how does my hair look today? All the, all the, all the things that we think about, um, everything became so much more simplified and we simply trusted that God was going to take care of us. And, and he did. And, and that's not to sugarcoat anything because it was really difficult. It was very hard, but you know, one thing I wish people would um, take so um, much to heart, the sacraments. Where would we be without wow. the sacraments? Kevin was anointed several times by many holy, holy priests. And um, just uh, sitting in silence before the Lord, there were times when I would come home from work. And, you know, he was still at that time working um in his, in his uh, job down at the chancery, but working from home. And we just would sit in silence together and just have just this beautiful prayer time. And uh, really, again, another, another phase in God's transformation uh, that he spoke that word to me so many years before he was still speaking it at that time. Sheila talks about a tsunami of grace in the surrender that she and her husband, Kevin, made at the beginning of his illness. Their faith gave them a sense of vision, not a vision in the sense of knowing what this road would look like, but a vision in the sense that they knew where all of this would lead, to God. This sickness was Kevin's road to meeting God face to face. Lord, we don't have control over this. We don't know how long this journey is going to be. We surrender. That disposition of heart propelled Kevin and Sheila in the many difficult days that followed. Sheila's story also highlights the power of the sacraments. God's gift of grace through the church upheld and upholds Sheila, even to this day. Having that relationship with the Lord, um, gosh, I, I can't imagine life without that. I can't imagine who I would be or if I didn't have that. And what if we didn't as, as a family, you know, with our kids growing up um, and uh, the peace that I have felt uh, since his passing is only from the Lord. And, um, you know, there are some days that are difficult and some days there are tears. And, um, um, but more than anything, I think what I feel uh, is gratitude. Gratitude to God for sending amazing people into my life, whether into my children's lives, whether it's wonderful people that I work with at Angela Hospice whether it's friends that we've had for many years, whether it's family members, um, the priests in our life, the deacons in our lives, um, all, all of those people God has sent to us to minister to us. And, um, but gratitude to the Lord for even the crosses. I, I, I am grateful for the, not that his, for his suffering, but his suffering was, um, a beautiful gift. And what we did, if I could share, um, mm -hmm. we took, um, we made out a big calendar and it was, you know, with the squares for every day of the month. And we did it for several months. And this was Kevin's idea. And he wanted us to offer up our suffering every day for a particular intention or a particular person. So some days it was, we were praying, our intention was for, um, the archbishop and some days it was for one of our children some days it was for a future member of our family some days it was for a 
priest that we love or um, the diaconate community um, and to abortion, all these different things that we offered up. And we said and there were some days we would look at each other and we'd say it might be a real challenging day with his illness. And we would look at each other and say, OK, let's see who we're offering it up for today. And nice. and that made it that made all the difference. It really did. Offering it up, having that gratitude for uh, what the Lord is doing. Sheila's testimony is powerful. Sheila has walked these difficult days with God and allowed God to walk with her. Through offering up their suffering, Kevin and Sheila allowed the Lord to pour out grace on their community through them. You may have heard, offer it up when you were young, but this mystery is actually much more beautiful and rich than we may realize. Redemptive suffering is one of the ways God pours out His grace into the world, and He invites us to participate. We can be stewards of new life in the world through our suffering. This is a mystery, but as Sheila's story shows, it actually brought great meaning and purpose to their days of suffering. Teresa Tomio lost her 93-year-old mother, Rosie, in 2020. Though the situation surrounding COVID complicated the details, Teresa talks about how she is able to see God's hand at work in the details surrounding losing her mother. Our faith can offer us a heightened sense of the meaning surrounding loss, little details that show us God cares and is involved in our lives. And there's been something going on in um, your life, too. You were sharing with us on, on break a little bit. Um, of course, a very sad thing. You, you had a loss in your family. Can you uh, tell us a little bit yeah. about that? Yes, my mom, uh, my beautiful 93-year-old mom, she would have been 94 wow. um, this month on May 29th, and she passed away, not from COVID, but from congestive heart failure. And we knew that she was starting to, to fade, and we expected it to happen. Didn't expect it to happen um, in March, but it was God's timing. And I think about, you think about when, when someone passes, and, and you think, well, what, what good could come out of losing a loved one? But if you look at it through the lenses, as Al always says, Al Cresta, lenses of scripture and teachings of the church, you can see God's hand over it. And I, I am, I'm grateful that my mom didn't suffer. She died on the Feast of St. Joseph, the, of course, um, patron of a happy death. And she died very peacefully. She, her heart was slowing down and she just went to sleep and, and never woke up. Um, took a few days, but it was very peaceful. Um, and the other thing I really thought about in God's timing is that my mother and I are both uh, very, very social people, very outgoing, very affectionate. My mom, everybody loved my mom. She had this crazy, adorable Jersey accent <laughs> and the older she got, the stronger the accent was. And so people knew her for saying, Oh, how are you? How are you? So good to see you. Oh my God, you look wonderful. I mean, she just sounded like, you know, right off, right off the, the boat in Brooklyn or something, but she never lost that accent and she was very charming. And I could not imagine her having to go through two months of, or me, two months of that isolation. So God's grace there. It was, it was painful, but at the same time, it taught me so much about God's grace, even though we could not have a funeral liturgy for her. And my wonderful pastor, Monsignor Bagheran, walked us through all the steps and what we could and couldn't do and, and wanted to have a mass because he celebrated the funeral mass for my father 10 years ago. And it was so beautiful with the choir and, oh, it was just great. Yeah. But his support that was there, and I felt myself, I felt the need to put that on right in writing, to explain to people that look, and that's the, what the title you mentioned earlier, Father, the title of the book is Conquering Coronavirus, How Faith Can Put Our Fears to Rest, that through all of this craziness that we're experiencing now, whatever the situation is, God forbid, if you, if you lose a loved one, whether it be from COVID or something else, that God is with us in the good times and the bad. Mm. 
And if we say, Jesus, I trust in you, and we just, even even if we're going through a stubborn moment, as I was, because at, at one point I was very frustrated the day we were burying my mom, it was pouring rain, and I'm thinking, how is this going to work? And I was just having all these St. Teresa of Avila moments, this is the way you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few. Mm-hmm. But God showed up right then and there when she was being buried through two of my friends. It's, it's an experience I'm putting in the book. But God showed up. Teresa's testimony of praying, Jesus, I trust in you, is a beautiful example of how she learned to trust God through losing her mother. Even in saying to God, as Teresa of Avila did, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few. These Teresas keep the dialogue with God. They kept talking to Him, even in circumstances they wouldn't have chosen for themselves. And that dialogue with God keeps us close to the source of our hope. Loss of a loved one is an indescribable, life-altering event. It can leave us with questions and wondering why things happened. But our Catholic faith has not only the source of all hope in Jesus Christ, but rich and beautiful traditions surrounding grief and loss. If you've lost a loved one, consider reaching out to your pastor or church. Our Catholic faith informs how we face death. We don't do it alone, and we do it with hope in the resurrection of the dead. Or maybe loss and grief aren't part of your current life. Consider stepping into a role of service at your parish for funeral or bereavement support. This time can be such a tender and particular way to love those around us. Our time and love is deeply felt by those grieving. Let's ask the Lord where we can step into times of loss and bring His comfort. Thanks for listening to this episode of Open Door Policy. Find more episodes at unleashthegospel.org forward slash podcasts.